hello. Hey. I'm already a drink and a half, two drinks in, so... Oh, boy. I gotta catch up then. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a hard cider. It's pineapple ginger. Ooh. Ooh. Love that sound. What are you drinking? Back on my bullshit. Um, pulling a you, I'm having a mimosa. Yes! Because uh, for my birthday, my one of my best friends in the entire world, my nephew's mom, I went up to see them. I went up to see them, like, last week. And for my birthday, she gave me a bottle of this really... This bottle is beautiful. Ooh, that is so pretty. Like, when I finish it, I'm going to keep it just because it's such a pretty bottle. Yeah. Um, It's super French, the name. I'll tweet it if you guys really give a shit that much. But it's a Prosecco, and it's... So fucking good. I'm trying not to drink all of it, as mm-hmm. hard as it is for me to not finish a bottle, <laughs> because my mom's favorite drink is Prosecco. Like, that's the only alcohol she drinks, and I want her to try this, because it's so good. But yeah, that's what I'm drinking right now. I'm in a new location for today, if you couldn't <laughs> tell by the pictures behind me. Yeah. Yeah, we're having more housework done. Wow. We're getting it's, our gutters um, fixed. home improvement up in there. Yeah, my parents are redoing their room. And it's just really loud. So my sister, being oh so kind, offered up her house, empty house because she and my mom go shopping together religiously every Saturday. Wow, so, I love that. Empty house, no background noise for me this week. Yeah, love that. So me too, because I'm I'm back in the city. So <laughs> woo! Oh, this is Bookaholics Anonymous. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm Francesca. I'm Alicia, and we. Don't regularly do that. No. An introduction. We've gotten better, though. We have. The past month, we've introduced every episode. Really? I didn't think we were on such a hot streak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At least the last, like, four episodes. Love that for us. By the way, your hair looks so good. Like, the perfect spirals. I'm just staring at them. I'm jealous. I got a a Denman brush. Oh. It's apparently the the thing to do in the curly-haired community. (laughs) Do you plop your hair? No, because it's... I found that, like, plopping really does not work for me. Mm. It just, like, makes it frizzy and not the greatest. You should invest in a satin pillowcase because it's really great for frizz. I know, but I just don't want to because I'm lazy. Yeah, that's fair. I can get you one at work. (laughs) They're, like, ten bucks. Right, because it's like, I feel like if I buy, I'm going to have to buy at least two, mm-hmm. because I move while I sleep, because I sleep alone. Mm-hmm. So I will go from one pillow to the next, so I would at least need like two. <laughs> I got you, boo. Don't worry. I buy but, everyone yeah. satin pillowcases. I'm like, you need to invest. This is I need to get, the right move. Um, like a hair scarf, too, because mm-hmm. those are supposed to be pretty good as well. But, yeah, I've been using the Denman brush for maybe a week. Mm-hmm. And then, so I use that and then I diffuse. Because if I let this air dry, I would have wet hair all day. So Yeah. Love that for you. Yeah. How was your uh, first week of work? Um, It was really good. I'm obviously not going to dox myself and say where I got my job. But I'm so happy to finally be, like, in the publishing world. Right. With people that, like understand the intense feelings that come from reading and like (laughs) just like get it um right and they're all my whole team is like really nice they're super helpful and they're super understanding that I know absolutely nothing of what they're talking about the part that I'm working in even though we both have our masters we really didn't learn like anything because it's I think like the (laughs) the department that I'm working in it varies from company to company sometimes what I do is absorbed into a different department some companies don't necessarily have this specific team so I think that's probably why we don't necessarily learn about it in school um but my whole team has just been really helpful in getting me settled and trying to give me work because a lot of this week has just been waiting between meetings and training sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, small shout out to one of my dear friends, Kirsten. 
she got me for my birthday and everyone in my family was like, oh my God, I'm so mad. I didn't think of this. This is such an adorable, perfect gift for you. A stamp Mm -hmm. that if you follow us on Instagram, Pod, you would have seen (laughs) a picture of, (laughs) self-plug, a a beautiful stamp that says from the library of Francesca Hope. And it's just, I, and I'm, I went through all of my books on my, in my, my room and on my shelf and stamped all of them. And now every time I finish a book, I'm going to stamp it instead of just automatically stamping it when I get it. So I know which books I haven't read and which ones I have. Smart. Right. And it will egg me on to read them because then I'm like, oh my God, I get to stamp it. Because I'm a child that needs that gratification and reward. It's like a reward. Yes. The ADHD <laughs> in me and the 12 years of special ed I did ingrain that in me. <laughs> I love that. So, oh, my yeah. gosh. I actually went through all my books um, last weekend, too, to catalog them all. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah. So now I have, I believe, all my books and Goodreads shelves like I have them that I've owned mm-hmm. that I own them because I really I have a friend who's done this and it's very nice because now I go to where Goodreads and just look through her own books and be like oh she doesn't have this one <laughs> I can send it to her that's such a good idea I'll right. do that when that's, I go home that's what I mean like then I you can just like your friends you can exchange yeah right so I guess we'll get into it um so, this week I'm doing Shadow and Bone by Lee oh, Bardugo. Oh my god. Wait. Okay, wait for a second. I thought this was the, what's it for? Fucking called Cassandra Clare book, but it's not. No. That's I, w- I will cover. I will cover Cassandra Clare book one day. And it's going to be like a three hour episode because I do be loving me Cassandra Clare's books. Maybe it will but... be on the Patreon when, if, if we eventually make <laughs> if one. That if that ever happens. happens. <laughs> It'll just be like... Six hours of me going through all the Shadowhunter books and um, me ranting about how much I love them. It's going to be like 60 hours of us covering Harry <laughs> Potter and the absolute problems. And making fun of it because we can Harry do that po- now. I can do my British accent. Oh no, I am so sorry everyone. But anyways. <laughs> Shadow and Bone, yes. Shadow Who's the Bone. author? Lee Bardugo. Okay. Who I've also, I've, <laughs> everyone's going to come for me. I read Six of Crows before I read Shadow and Bone because I didn't know they were that connected. Like, I knew they were in the same world, but, like, in Cassandra Clare's books, you could pick up any of the first ones in the series and you would probably be fine. She mm-hmm. kind of reintroduces the world every time, which is why I like the series so much, because you can kind of start wherever you want. Um... Not the case with Six of Crows. I was so confused for the first you, hundred pages. Didn't you cover Six of Crows or no? Oh, you told I, me you were reading it though. I remember you no, mentioning this, it. I'm yeah, maybe back because I read it two years ago. Maybe I think you mentioned it in like a previous episode when we were talking. I about I probably fantasy. have because it's a fantastic book. I love the duology. It's Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, and they're amazing. But I was so confused because I didn't get any of the world building <laughs> from this series. <laughs> is this the one that's going to be a book or a TV show or? Yeah, it comes out next week. Hence why I read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what network? Um, it's Netflix. Oh, okay. So. I will not be reading the book, but maybe I'll watch the show. <laughs> the show, the show looks really good and they're going to, I think, I don't know how exactly they're doing it. I heard some rumors that they're going to do like an integrated storyline with this book and Six of Crows, but I think. Six of Crows takes place, like, after this series. I don't know. But, yeah, so I have no clue. I'm excited, though. The cast looks amazing. Um, the people that I that they cast... See, they already casted some of the people from Six of Crows. So I think that's why I'm confused. Because I haven't finished the series. I've only read the first one. So mm-hmm. that might be why I'm getting confused here. But, <gasps> yeah. Ben Barnes. I, oh, I will be yeah. tuning in. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So I'm excited. I'm excited to dive in. I definitely could see them covering only the first book in the first series, in the first season, because, and not, like, a whole ton, ton happens in the first book. Mm -hmm. Like, enough where I think they could do a good job covering the first book in just one season. There's not, like, Yeah, it's more, like, world building, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, I'm just gonna dive right in. So, I think what I'll do is kind of do some of the world building and then kind of get into the story. 
So the premise is, it's like, this is like a fake world. And I think it's kind of set, like, it's based on, like, Poland and Russia. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting from it, at least. Those are the vibes I'm getting. And there are, like, four countries. Let me see if they, because I think I know them, but I'm not going to. So there's Ravka, uh, Jordan. Jerda, for Jerda, it's F E F J E R D A. So there's that, <laughs> and then couldn't tell you. Yeah, there's Shuhan. I think there's another one. Ravka, Sherdan, Shuhan, and oh, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. So those four countries, I like that's build. That's like the whole world here, like our whole setting, and there are like normal people as per usual, and then there are Grisha, who are, like, people with powers. They're, like, witches, kind of. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, like, the background. And each country deals with Grisha differently. Like, um, Ravka, which is the main country that this book is set in and this story, I think, is set in, um, they treat their Grisha very well. They're, like, usually kind of put up on a pedestal. But then I think... Uh, Shu Han like hunts them. Some of them hunt them. Others are just like kind of indifferent. So how you are treated as a Grisha depends on what country you live in in this world. Getting into the story, in the prologue we meet the main character, two of the main characters, Alina and Maul, who are two orphans. I love the name Alina. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I actually had a childhood friend named Alina. I think of Kevin Jonas's daughter, and she's adorable. Oh, she is really cute. That's the older one, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're two orphans, as you do in YA fantasy in <laughs> the 2010s. <laughs> she's hitting, he's hitting, wait, is this a man or a woman? It's a girl. Okay. Lee is yeah. a girl, yeah. Yeah, she's hitting every YA dystopian cliche. She's just, she, she has a list next to her. She's <laughs> writing this and she's like, okay, orphans? Yeah. Check. Eastern European? <laughs> check. Check. Um... <laughs> fantasy check do they have special powers can they check they can they talk to themselves like talk to each other telepathically check like she just has this list (laughs) do we find out their parents aren't actually dead they're alive check oh that is a good trope (laughs) right but this was written in 2012 this was her first book i believe this was her debut so can i blame her no no this was back in 2012 when all of the dystopian books were coming out, too. Exactly. Like, this you was know what? the time. You had to work what you, with what you were given at that mm-hmm. point. And her other books since then, or her other series, I should say, because I've read uh, Six of Crows duology, and then I read um, The Ninth House. Phenomenal. So we love to see growth. We love learning from our experiences. <laughs> yeah, we can't call it a mistake because she, like, banked on this. Exactly. I mean, I can't call it a mistake because it's pretty good. So they basically are sent off to this, like, to live with, a, I don't know what he's supposed to be called, like a general or something. Some, like, high-ranking, you know, mo- like, what is it called? Like, some high-ranking nobleman. Oh, okay, like a duke or... Yeah, okay. yeah, I think it's like a duke, actually. So they, like, get... R.I.P. Prince Philip, today's his funeral. <laughs> Yikes. So while they're at this orphanage, they get tested to see if they're Grisha. And they get tested. How and do you, they're like, how do they test them? By their blood or like by training? No, it's just like, I don't, it's like not really describes like in super detail. It's kind of just like they, I think they have a Grisha come in that can like kind of pull like, yeah, yeah, pull like their powers out. Like in. Because I was going to say, if we get a training montage this early in the book, that's another check. No. No. So, yeah, they get tested. They're, they aren't Grisha, they find out. So they live normal orphan lives. <laughs> as one does. And, as one does. Do they live and with they an aunt and uncle that absolutely hate them? <laughs> no, but they live with this duke and this, like, I don't know if it's his wife. I don't think it is. They don't really seem like, like, they don't make it seem like it's his wife. Is but he it's old? Like, I, I'm guessing. Is this during World War II? 
No, I don't. Do they find this is like in a different? This okay. is like not in real, like set in real life. Okay, set off okay. So, do different... they find a wardrobe? <laughs> I wish. I do love Narnia. Is there but... a man named Tumnus, or should I say no. half man named Tumnus? No, James McAvoy's best role. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. I'm literally only on the second bullet right now. <laughs> Okay, I'll shut up, so I'll shut up, I'll shut up. They get like they have normal orphan lives where they get taught in like trades, basically, and different like skills. Alina and Mal are now older and have left the orphanage to train in the Ravkin army. The Ravka is like the country that they live in. So they get put into the first army, which Alina and Mal both have joined. There's two armies, the first army and the second army. The first army is obviously made up of all normal people. The second army is all made up of Grisha. So first teams, first string, second string. Exactly. But like, that doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you have your best players on first string? Because apparently they don't care about human normal lives. Oh, okay. All right, Thanos. Yeah, literally. So this army is on its way to the city next to the shadow fold. The general in charge of them, question mark. I don't know if it's exactly a general, but that's what I'm assuming is trying to get to Polsnaya, Polsnaya, which is like this city that's across this shadow fold, which is like a magical wasteland, kind of. Oh, my life. Yeah. So it's this like giant barren like wasteland slash kind, it's like kind of described like a wasteland, but also kind of described like a huge like, like ocean, like sea kind of thing that you can't cross because it's magical. So the oh, next- like Staten Island? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so they're yes. trying to cross Staten Island. Got it. Yes. And yes. it's a big, That's such a good, dopey. Um, I'm sorry, Kayla. In advance, Kayla's gonna love this. Shut up. Um, <laughs> is the big dopey uh, ogre thing guarding Staten Island? Uh, Pete Davidson. <laughs> there is no ogre thing, but I can get behind that. Like, oh, it's a troll. Sorry, troll. There, there is no troll, unfortunately, but I can get behind that. Listen, honestly. I love Pete Davidson. I support him in his mental health journey, but he <laughs> is like the face of Staten Island. He is. Him or the Impractical Jokers. You can't pick. The next morning, the the like regiment, like their whole crew, boards um, their ship and heads off to cross the fold. Everything's going like pretty smoothly at first, but then... Suddenly, Alina hears flapping of wings, and suddenly, hundreds of Volcra, which are, like, bird demon things, are around them. In in the battle, in the midst of the battle, Alina is about to be taken by the Volcra, but when Maul comes to, the re- to her rescue and pulls her away, he then gets attacked, but the two are able to work together to kill the creature. Maul is her twin, or no? No, he, they're not twins. They're not even related. Okay. They're just two orphans, their main characters. Okay, well, I feel like Maul's gonna be the bad guy, because his name is Maul. I mean, that's fair. It's not like it's Ben, like Benvolio. I mean, that's fair. It's all about you the got, semantics of it. You gotta know your prefixes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you gotta and know your binaries. Like you gotta know. <laughs> he, she's, he's and them's. So after they kill this these, this Volker that attacked Alina, Maul's badly wounded. So much so that Alina is scared that he's going to die. As she closes her eyes and is, like, ready to die in another attack because she's, like, placed her body over him as if that's going to do, like, anything, um, a sudden light appears and she, like, hits her head and goes unconscious, basically. When Alina wakes up, she is still on the deck, but she has a gun pointed at her, which, like, that's a little hostile. Let's take a step back here. Ma'am. This is an Arby's. Literally. It turns out that they are docking back in the city that they were previously in, and the soldiers march Alina off the boat and up the road. She is then led to the Grisha Pavilion and taken to the Darkling. The Darkling is this all-powerful, famous Grisha, and he's, like, very well known throughout Ravka because he's, like, so powerful. That's so funny because Darkling is actually what my sisters called me as a child. Well, so, um, that's 
I'm just kidding. They never actually call me that. But it was like along the lines of that. Mistake could probably be in there. I don't know. (laughs) It turns out that Alina had been the source of light. And after a test from the Darkling, Alina is revealed to not only be a Grisha, but a sun summoner as well. Which is like also a very powerful type of Grisha. Superpower. Check. Exactly. The Darkling then orders that she be taken to Oz Alta. Hope I'm saying that right. Which is like this, the rich city in Ravka, where the king and the nobles are, as well as the Grisha. Fun. So, all the rest of this this country lives in like squalor and kind of like not the greatest conditions. But then this city is just living it up. It's kind of like the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah, that too. King's Landing in uh, Game of Thrones. They just literally were just like the wealthiest city and like everyone else lived in shit around them. But also like Pan Am. <laughs> Wait, which which house had that? What do you mean? King's Landing? Which house um, was it that? was the Lannisters were Okay, I was like, gonna say, yeah. was it the Lannisters? My very small amount of The brother Game of sister fuckers, yeah. Ooh, ooh. So Am I on wrong? Tr- <laughs> you are not wrong. You can say that with your whole chest. <laughs> On her trip to Oz Alta, Alina learns from Ivan, who is like part of the Darkling's guard, that the Darkling is a living amplifier. Who So he basically amplifies Grisha's powers. With her son's uh, summoning, Alina could potentially open a path through the shadow fold or destroy it. With this power, Alina is now a target for enemies like... The <laughs> the other two countries that I said before, Fajurda and Shuhan, and and the Shuhan, uh, which means of course we gotta get we gotta get an attack up in here. Uh, so y'all gonna make me lose my mind, <laughs> Alina. So they they're getting attacked, and Alina runs away into a forest, but is pursued by an attacker, of course. And as he's about to, like, straight up murk her, the Darkling rides up with reinforcements and uses his mysterious shadow powers to attack the assassins. Ooh. The Darkling doesn't sound so bad. No, he... Is he hot? A lot of people, like, love him on, like, BookTok and, like, Bookstagram. People go ham for the Darkling. Like, they all think he's super hot. I'm gonna find out who was casted as the Darkling and tell you. I no, I I feel like I saw him and I was like, you know what? What's, what Fair. does he have like a real name or does he just go by the No, Darkling? he just goes by the Darkling. And I think he does have a real name, but if you find it, do not tell me cuz I don't know it yet. Okay. Um so a few days after the attack, as they're still making their way back to Oz or to Oz Alta, the Darkling sits with Alina after they make camp to answer some questions that she has. Alina learns that his great 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 grandfather was the one who accidentally created the Shadow Fold. And every Darkling since his time has tried to fix this mistake. The Darkling believes that Alina could be the person to help him do this, since she is the Sun Summoner. So, he's not actually bad. He's just trying to fix shit. That is, he's just trying to clean up his family's mistakes. Sounds like a lot of people. Exactly. So, not long after this, the group finally arrives at the Little Palace, which is where the king and the queen live. But Alina has to meet the king the very next day, even though she's super fucking exhausted from this trip and from the attack. So I can confirm. Yeah. The actor that plays the Darkling. Hot. Just kiss. Love that for us. So Genya, another, or I'm saying Genya, it's spelled with a G. I don't think it's Genya. Do you think it's G-E-N-Y-A? Well, there's Genevieve, so I'd say Genya. Yeah. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking. Couldn't they just... Like have it's her a fantasy, nickname. so you can make it whatever you want it to be. That's true. Couldn't they give her a nickname that's just like Jen? <clears throat> like, just saying. So, <clears throat> Jenya, another Grisha, helps Alina to prepare by beautifying her because the king likes beautiful things. Jenya is a tailor, and that's her Grisha power to be able to 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 change appearances slightly. I thought she was gonna be like, I can sew really well. Okay, <laughs> okay, sh- chief, like. So no, can yeah, I. she can like she can like change appearances, like smooth out your like blemishes. Oh, like, sis, yeah, I picked that one. That's the one you want. Yep. Oh boy. Well, I don't blame you because that get that hot girl summer body like that. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, but since I read Six of Crows first, I was kind of confused by this. So I'm assuming it gets, like, discussed later on in the series. But in the other series, they have a tailor, and she can totally change someone's appearance. Like, change them into a different person. So I'm curious how this works out. (laughs) So... At first, Alina's, like, not into this. She's like, I don't want you to change me. Like, I am me. And even though I don't think I'm, like, the most pretty person ever, like, I am. I don't want to be changed. But she, like, eventually gives in. <laughs> Jenya then brings Alina down to the court and asks that she not tell anyone how she helped her to change her appearance because Jenya is apparently not allowed to work for anyone due to the queen's orders. Because she's like a servant of the queen. And she was like given to the queen by the Darkling. So that's fair. I would keep that shit to myself too. I am selfish. (laughs) No one else gets to be pretty but me. Oh boy. So after getting introduced to the king, Alina is asked to demonstrate her power again. Which she does with some like help from the Darkling since he's an amplifier. And the king is like pretty pleased and like impressed and he's like oh thank goodness our worries are over we can get rid of this shadow fold that's just like wreaking havoc on our country blah 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 whatever after her demonstration Jenya comes by to bring her to the queen who wants to meet her and this meeting goes like okay like she really alina doesn't know how to make like what to make of the queen but she's like well she didn't like banish me or anything so must have been fine after they leave the room, the Darkling comes by again to tell Jenya to get Alina fitted for her kefta, which is, I think, like, I'm picturing it kind of like an overcoat kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, and they, like, all the Grisha wear them, but in different colors. And the Darkling tells Jenya to get her fitted for a black one, which would show that she is in, on equal footing with the Darkling, since only he is allowed to wear that color. So it's like kind of a big deal because he's a darkling. And yeah, he is well, like, you have to wear a dark color if you're the darkling. To be fair, that would if I was queen, that would be my color. No one else is allowed to wear black and gold. I'm a big fan of gold. It just complements kind of my skin tone. But didn't we just establish I'm very selfish in this world? <laughs> Francesca AU. <laughs> Every book is a Francesca AU if you want it to be. Which is exactly how I read them. I self-insert into everything. Which character am I going to be in this book? Hmm. That's me. The queen. I haven't read, I haven't read enough of this. I haven't read the rest of the series to know which one you should be. Because I don't want to see the queen. Because what if the queen gets killed? I don't want you to get killed. Oh, thanks. But I'd be okay with it. I made my choice. <laughs> oh, my god. Yeah, every book is a self-insert, folks. You just pick a character you like, and you're like, okay, I'm them now. And if you don't do that, why the fuck are you reading? I don't do that. Why the fuck are you reading? Because I like the pictures. I get them <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so, yeah. she He, like, tells her, oh, get her a black kefta. But Alina is like, nah, fam. I do not want that. I just want to re- remain, like, conspicuous and not above others. So just give me, like, like the beige. blue... Oh, the, okay. No, it's like a blue that like summoners get. So. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say beige is just a very bland color. It is. It is. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was beige instead of blue. So back in her room, Alina asks Jenya to stay with her and eat dinner because she doesn't know anyone else and she's been getting along with Jenya pretty well. While the servant agrees, she also tells Alina to be careful because the other Grisha would not approve of Jenya eating with her because they are classist after dinner Jenya leaves and lena gets ready for bed but the only thing she can think about when she falls asleep is maul and like how he is what he's doing like what's happening with him when alina wakes up she gets dressed for the day and after breakfast Jenya takes her on a tour of the little palace including the darklings library which sounds lit i want to go to this library i'm i said i was the queen but I want the library. <laughs> choices, choices. Do you I get to, to be pretty to... or do I get to read? I think the Darkling's pretty pretty as well. I mean, he is. You have to you have to wait and listen to the rest of the book to decide. 
Okay. Because I was going to say, I read in this lifetime. If I'm going to pick a different life, I'm going to be pretty in the other one. Like, <laughs> Mood. That's a good point. So, after afterwards, after this tour, she takes Alina to the Summoner's Pavilion, where she meets Bagra. Bagra is another living amplifier, and she teaches Alina... She's, like, supposed to teach Alina how to call on her powers without the help of an amplifier like herself or the Darkling. After Alina is unable to summon her powers, Bagra gets severely pissed off and shoes her away. Because she's like, what use do I have of you if you're not gonna use your powers, you idiot? Fucking so stupid! (laughs) Exactly. Alina then spends the majority of her day in the library, but learns that her schedule for the rest of the day consists of other classes like combat training. She it's heads the over training montage. Check. Ex- exactly. She heads over to the training rooms with some other Grishas named Marie and Nadia, where they meet the instructor Botkin. Hmm. Uh, we're going strong with these names here so far. I don't like, but okay. We get names like Botkin, but then we have names like Marie. Please explain to me. She's pandering to both sides of the aisle. The ones that like to read and the dyslexics. (laughs) Exactly. As she continues her training, hence training montage, Hmm. Alina still struggles to access her powers. The Darkling, of course, does not offer any help, and she still has not heard from Maul, despite the many letters she has sent to him. I'm really starting to feel this connection with the darkling like i would also offer no help (laughs) i would just stand there making snarky comments as i do when we record so especially he does have some good some good lines in the book so alina ends up in the infirmary after a training mishap with a classmate named zoya who hates alina Hmm. of course you have to have a rivalry yeah there always has to be one enemy is this enemies to lovers? Because I really thought she and Maul had this thing going and like... I'll put you out of your misery and say no. Okay, great. So in the infirmary, Alina later, she hears from Marie and Nadia that Zoya got in trouble with Botkin and the Darkling and that someone claimed to have seen her coming out of the Darkling's rooms crying. So I don't know what happened, but I hope this bitch got fucking annihilated because she is... One mean motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Marie and Nadia uh, explain to Alina that Zoya hates her because she is jealous that the Darkling favors her for being a sun summoner. While also in the infirmary, Alina is visited by the Apparat, who is like, I don't know how to explain it. He's kind of like a spiritual spiritual guide Mm -hmm. kind of person. And he tells her that people are already making altars to her in her honor because they believe that she is their hope to get rid of this fold, the shadow fold. Oh, I wouldn't like that. I don't want people making altars in my honor because what if, like, their image of me is wrong? I don't like it. So hearing this news makes Alina super uncomfy because she now realizes that her inability to reach her powers would hurt more than just, like, the Darkling and Bagra. It can hurt the whole nation because everyone's like relying on her to get rid of the shadow fold. So she's just not into it. I don't blame her. I would not be either. That's kind of creepy. The next day, Alina asks Jenya to check out Maul's status on the casualty list and then goes to Bagra's hut where the Darkling is arguing with, with her. We find out that he wants to get Alina an amplifier, but Bagra is against it because this is just not, any old amplifier. Oh, no, no, no. Of course, this is a super powerful amplifier. The most powerful amplifier the world would have ever seen, made out of antlers of this special stag. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know. Did they steal exactly. it from this stag of Harry Potter's Patronus? Yes, thank you. That's where I was going with it. And then the joke died when I forgot what it was. Never mind. <laughs> I will admit that was the first thing I thought of. That was what I was trying to say, but, like, the words just don't process (laughs) up here in my cranium. Love that for you. So, the Darkling's men have reported sightings of seeing this stag, and so he's, like, all for it, even though Bagra is like, this thing doesn't exist, like, you need to just give it up. (laughs) (laughs) Mood, me, just a Debbie Downer. 
Yeah. Give it up. This is never going to fucking work. And then when it works, you're like, shit. I would be Bagra for sure. Shit. Oh, oh, uh, later, Alina finds out from Jenya that Maul has been stationed in Tisbia uh, and is alive. Tisbia does not sound like a great place, by the way. They're always like talking about, oh, I'm going to get sent to Tisbia. So it sounds like horrible. Siberia. Yeah. That's fun. I'm going to just add a note in here. If you can hear some music in the background, that's because my neighbor has decided to go outside and blast some music. So I love that for me. So she later realizes that Maul is the only person she has ha- she has in the world ever since they both lost their parents and were sent to the orphanage. And ever since she suppressed her powers during the Grisha examination, she had dark ba- she's had dark bags under her eyes and she cannot summon her powers because a part of her still wants to go home to Maul. After this realization, she decides to accept her powers, and the light finally comes to her easily without Bagra's help. Hashtag girl boss. Hashtag just girl boss things. Yeah, so basically what happens there is, like, to just anyone who's kind of confused, um, Alina just, like, has a flashback where she, like, remembers the Grisha examination, and she realizes she did not want to leave Mal, so she knew if she showed this power that she would have to leave him. So even though she didn't know exactly what it was and that it was a power, she did feel something pulling to get out of her, but she just shoved it down so she could just stay with Maul because that's like her person, you know? Garbage. We don't need men. So so when she realizes this, she realizes that she's been holding on to hope of going home to Maul. So she's like, well, he's not answering any of my letters. Like, so fuck him. Yes, just I'm, girl boss things. Exactly. I'm just gonna like let go of this and become, you know, like let this power go. So once she accepts her powers, Alina's life is much easier. She can like summon the light and isn't as tired all the time, and she finally has an appetite again. Can I get some of this? <laughs> like, it sounds amazing. <laughs> an appetite suppressant? No, she has an appetite again, but uh. like she's not tired all the time. Oh, thank you. Can't relate. That's the depression in me. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> can I get some of this? Where can I get this? It's probably so, called vitamin D. Couldn't never be me. Not in New York. We ain't getting that. <laughs> so she's even able to keep up in all of Botkin's classes. One day, Botkin gifts her with a knife encased in a uh, steel and leather sheath, and says that she has earned Grisha steel, which is supposed to be like really sharp and you know amazing and shit. Hmm. After a night of practicing with Bagra, the Darkling appears again, and he walks with Alina back to the to Little Palace and asks that she trust that he can find the stag. When she asks why he even cares, like what she thinks, because he's a Darkling and has all this power, and she's just her, mm-hmm. um, he says he doesn't know why she he cares, and then kisses her. I don't know why I care, and then you say. Mm, sir? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Men not in touch with their emotions. It's yes. so 2014. 2012. It's so 2012. Well, it's, it's still 2021, too, because... Yeah, that's true. But most men have, like, made that direction. Like, they understand. Some of them. I won't say all of them. Some of them. Not all men. <laughs> not all men. That's the only phrase that it applies to. Getting in touch with their emotions. Not all men. True. So, apparently, there's a huge gala ball thing, I don't know, going on, thrown by the king and queen. It's coming up. So, the Grisha summoners are expected to put on a performance, and every, and everyone is practicing, but Alina can only think about the Darkling and their kiss and how she's not seen him in a while. Ma'am. I don't blame her. If he's that hot, <laughs> that's fair. It, sis. That's fair. On the night of the gala ball thingy, <laughs> Jenya is helping Alina to get ready when the latter's kefta for the party arrives. Alina's kefta is all black and has the Darkling symbol hanging off of it. Ay. So we're left to assume that he, like, sent it to her. Mm, we love that. We love I love. I love a good dress-sending trope. Yes. What can I say? Yes. We love a pretty <laughs> dress. Exactly. When Alina arrives at the ballroom with her friends, she coincidentally runs into the duke who she st- like stayed with at the like at the orphanage. Like mm-hmm. he was the one, you know, is his estate that he, she stayed on. 
And he does not remember her at all, of course, because he's a rich old white man. <laughs> what do we expect? But the chance meeting, unfortunately, reminds her of Maul, so that's kind of sad. <laughs> when Jenya finds her again, she's thinking about Maul and is still kind of sad, but she still has to perform with this the rest of the Grisha uh, for this gala ball thingy. <laughs> and the Darkling appears right before their turn, and they combine their powers to create a light and shadow show for the crowd. As soon as the show is over, the Darkling leads Alina into another room where he tells her this, that they found the stag, and then starts to kiss her, and it gets hot and heavy Ooh. up in here. Um, but unfortunately, a drunken group interrupts the moment, and the two separate with the Darkling heading to... Ivan and his protection group. I don't know. It's funny because I would, like, that happened. I shouldn't say that happened all the time in college. I would do that to my friends when we were in college. Like, they'd be the one making out with Hawkeye and I'd show up drunk and be like, hey, guys, what's up? And ruin oh, no. everything. So <laughs> that was me. But maybe they should be thanking you because they probably weren't all that great anyways. Mm, that's true. Most of them weren't, if not all. So Right. You're welcome, ladies. I'm here to serve and protect. <laughs> so the Darkling heads off to, to Ivan and the rest of his, like, protection group. And the um, Alina goes back to the ballroom. But on the way, she happens to see Maul. What? Oh, my goodness. It turns out that Maul's group was the one to find the stag. But, of course, men are trash, mm. and it doesn't seem like he's very happy to see her. Of course not. Why would he? Alina mentions that she did not get any response from her letters to him, and Maul replies that he'd never received any of these letters. As the conversation continues, the two start fighting, and Maul accuses Alina of enjoying the Darkling's attention too much. Which well, is, yeah, he's hot. <laughs> exactly. But it's real ironic, because... Maul had no problem going after Grisha girls when they were both fighting in the first army. So, interesting. 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 The fight ends with Maul leaving and Alina crying. Um, because, obviously, he hurt her feelings. I don't blame her. <laughs> when Alina is back in her room, she suddenly receives a visit from ba Bagra, who drags her away and tells her that she must leave. To which Alina is like... Why? Um, what? Are you okay, ma'am? Should I bring you to a healer? Like, what? what is going on? Like, she's very confused, and she honestly thinks Bagra has gone insane. Like, no joke. She tells her, like, do I need to bring you to a doctor or something? Because, what the fuck? Bagra tells her that the Darkling is planning on using the Shadow Fold as a weapon by expanding it and not destroying it like he said. Whoever does not bow to him will see the fold take over. Oh, sorry. Whoever does not bow to him will will see the fold take over the land and destroy everything that it touches. So he's a man, and he lied, and he's power drunk. Mm hmm. <laughs> Heard this story before. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> when Alina does not seem to believe her. Bagra reveals that the Darkling is the is the great 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 grandfather that created the Shadowfold, and that she is his mother. What? Bitch, I'm a mother. No drama. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So he kissed his mother. No, he kissed Alina. And oh, Bagra so Bagra is, is his mother. mother. Okay, I got I got a little confused. So he had faked his death many times and has been waiting for the Sun Summoner in order to take control of the Fold. The Darkling needs Alina because the Volcra, the bird demon things, in the Fold are vulnerable to sunlight. Once they are subdued, he can enter the Shadow Fold and be even more powerful than he is now. After Bagra explains that he needs the stag's antlers to control Alina, she finally realizes that she's telling the truth and not, like, just insane and senile. Mm -hmm. When she asks what needs to be done, Bagra tells her that she needs to head west, head to West Ravka, which means she needs to cross the fold herself. After changing into like 
simple, simpler clothing. Alina runs away and hides in the performer's wagon from the ball gala thing. Mm-hmm. And she ends up in a town directly west, west of Oz Alta, but continues traveling on her own. One night, she gets accosted by a drunk man and has to use her sunlight to protect her. But it draws the attention of a soldier who is dressed in a charcoal uniform, which is the Darkling's which is what the Darkling mm-hmm. guards wear. She runs away before he can grab her, but is chased like down a hill and falls into a stream. Same. <laughs> That's why I yeah. don't run. Yeah, I know. So after being cold and on edge all night, she hears something, and it turns out that Maul has tracked her down. And instead of giving her away to the other soldiers, leads her to safety, and she learns that they have not found the stag yet. She, she later on explains to Maul why she ran away and why the Darkling wants the stag so badly. Later, Maul decides like that he's taking her north to Tisbia, which is where the stag is supposed to be. And if they can get to the stag before the Darkling, Alina can claim the antlers for herself and become powerful enough to fight him. Mm-hmm. After some traveling, Maul and Alina finally reach a village in our unnerved by like how empty the houses they pass are Mm -hmm. like it's just very creepy and eerie and it turns out that there is a festival that's going on and so while in town during this festival so that's where everyone is Mm -hmm. obviously maul and alina are held hostage by some muggers who rob them love that when the thieves tell Maul to open his bag, they see his military-issued rifle. This man, like, if you're gonna... Damn it. Yeah, if you're gonna go on the run, you gotta get rid of all this stuff. Come on. This is Survival 101. So, um, they are immediately suspicious, and a fight then breaks out after they argue with each other, Maul and these guys. And Alina has to use her powers so that they can escape, but they luckily only lose Maul's rifle and the wool blanket. So they have to huddle together for warm. <laughs> Check. <laughs> and there was one bed. Oh my god, it was one bed. <laughs> While they they did only lose Maul's rifle and wool blanket, the fight gets the the fight between Maul and these thugs gets rid of the last of the tension between Alina and Maul. And the two are friends again. Love that. One night Alina asks that Maul kill her before letting the Darkling get her. And initially, he's like, what the fuck? No, I'm not doing that. That's insane. But Alina pushes the subject until Maul ultimately promises to take her life if need be. When they think that they have finally found the stag, Maul and Alina set up camp for the night, and Maul reveals that her that their friends, their like mutual friends from the army, the first army, were both killed while tracking the stag. Maul had volunteered to go look because he felt like like some sort of sense of guilt because Alina like protected him and then he didn't stop her from getting taken by the Darkling. Um, and he knew the Darkling, like, the stag had something to do with Alina. So, mm-hmm. uh, so he obviously volunteered and then their two friends also volunteered to go with him. Nine soldiers in total crossed the border into this other country for the stag, but only two returned. Damn. The next day, Maul finally, after he like says this, he finally admits his feelings for Alina, and they kiss. And as they're kissing, the stag enters the clearing. I and, called it. <laughs> and as, as Maul is getting ready to kill the stag, Alina tells him to wait and walks over to him and is like the stag is like staring at her. She knows she cannot kill it and says that they'll fi- have to find another way, but like they just they can't do this. But not so fast. The darkling arrives in the clearing and does not hesitate as one of their soldiers one of his soldiers fires an arrow at the stag. Um and when he goes to kill the stag, Alina covers the stag's body with her own. Knowing that she's not going to give up give up without a fight, the Darkling uses his darkness mysterious powers <laughs> to cover the area. No. And they struggle with each other, but Alina is not strong enough and is about to be taken by, like, t- like 
because the Darkling will have power over her if he gets these antlers and puts mm-hmm. them on her. Um, so she realizes that he's going to be like, he's going to take over her, basically. Mm-hmm. She tells Maul to kill her, but he can't do it. Of course. God this damn was, it. Weak I men. I promise if you ever asked me to do something like that in that situation, I would do it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Would you do it for me, though? That's important to know, too. Yeah, obviously, if you tell me to. Of course. The Darkling overpowers her and Maul easily, then. He kills the stag, t- takes pieces of his antlers, and when Alina refuses to wear the antlers, the Darkling threatens Maul and forces her to obey. They fashion a, cow- a collar out of the antlers, and Alina is now tied to the Darkling and forced to obey his commands. When he tells her to use the light, her body cannot refuse the order. After arriving back at the city near the fold, the shadow fold, Jenya comes to Alina and reveals that the king has fallen ill and the apparat, apparat is ruling in his stead, the spiritual guide guy. Alina then realizes that Jenya is no longer wearing a servant's kefta. Instead, she's wearing a general's one. Alina then realizes that Jenya is involved in the Darkling's plans, but she still tells Jenya that she forgives her. Later, Alina is brought to the Darkling's tent, where he asks her why she betrayed him. Knowing this is her last chance to get Maul to safety, she begs for Maul's life. The Darkling seems to be merciful enough to let her see him, but then reveals that he's planning to bring Maul into the shadow fold and like feed him to the to the the Volcra that are there and just like leaving him to die. Like that's great. Thanks. So, Alina is taken to see Maul to see, say her last goodbyes before he's fed to the Volcra and the two spend the night talking about the orphanage and their like childhood and whatnot. <laughs> In the morning, Alina is taken away to get ready to cross the shadow fold, cross, quote unquote, because mm-hmm. they're not really going to cross it. They're going to expand it. Um, and it turns out the Darkling had gathered ambassadors from all the other countries that I had mentioned before to see her powers. And as they enter the shadow fold, the Darkling uses Alina's powers as soon as the Volcra get close to their ship. And she easily, like, Dis- like disperses them with the the power from the stag's antlers, but minutes pass in, they are already almost through the fold, and she can see the other side. But of course, as soon as the boat is about to dock, the darkling uses his powers to combine with the shadow fold and make the fold spread it. And the Volcra quickly go from trying to like escape to attacking like the villagers that mm-hmm. are in this town that he is like now demolishing. When Alina tries to, like, stop, try to stop this, I guess, because, like, it's still her powers that he's using, um, she, like, can't, obviously, because she's under his control. Um, Darkling does stop. The message is clear to the ambassadors that came to see this all take place, and they're kind of confused. They're all like, wait, this isn't what the king wanted. Like, we wanted to get rid of this, not make it bigger. (laughs) And the Darkling is like, haha, bitch, you're under my rule now, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, you thought. (laughs) So before he, like, threatens them that he's going to, like, throw them over the boat and, like, whatever. So as they're leaving, um, the Darkling, like, like, commands that Maul be thrown over and he be left to the Volcra. And Alina's light is still obviously, like shining this is sounds so dumb <laughs> it's still shining um around them and he commands that she like bring the light back so maul can be t- overtaken by the volcra but when alina hears maul scream she's brought back to the memory of the stag and realizes that she has earned the amplifier just as much as the darkling did when he killed it because she spared his life and she feels the her, the control from her powers come back to her and immediate, immediately uses the light to save Maul, which obviously does not make the Darkling very happy. Mm-hmm. He's pretty fucking mad and commands this, his, like, posse, his troop, to start attacking posse. her. posse. No, definitely just keep using the posse. That's posse? Good. All right, all right, cool. Uh, well, when you're acting like an immature asshole, I feel like that's what you should be reduced to, but... Mm-hmm. 
when the Grisha come toward her, Alina shows off her, like, new strength and her new control, I guess, over, like, the amplifier that she has. And uses, like, this really powerful technique that is mentioned earlier in the book to split the skip the ship's mast in half. Alina asks the people, like, the Grisha around her for help, but they're too scared of betraying the Darkling. Seeing that no one will help her, Alina decides to jump off the boat and runs for Maul, leaving the rest to fend for themselves against the Volcra. When she's safe with Maul, she slices the mast in half again while running away with Maul into West Ravka. The book ends with Maul and Alina on a boat running away on the sea to whatever is on the other side. And that's how the book ends. We start together, we finish together, bitch! Exactly. Now that is what they mean by the phrase, ride or die. That's right. Wow. That's gotta be an interesting series, if that's how it starts. Yeah, I'm trying to get the second book right now so I can finish the series before the Netflix show comes Mm -hmm. out, but we'll see how that goes. But we do have to discuss um, Simon & Schuster dropped the mm-hmm. the publication of a book written by one of the cops involved with the Breonna Taylor raid. That, did they end up dropping that? Yeah, they did. A different publisher is going ahead with it. A uh, small press in Tennessee, I think, that is like known for That's publishing nice. conservative Christian novel books and, and things. So that's not really surprising that they picked it up. But right. Simon and Schuster's really just been dropping the ball lately. <laughs> like, yeah, what the pickups. fuck are they doing? Um, I would never, ever read any garbage shit written by those those men. Right. See, I find that there's like a huge difference between publishing like Trump's novel or Mike Pence's novel, which we'll talk about or in a little book. bit. It's because not a novel. It's a book. Because a novel is fiction. Right. Well, I guess it could be considered a novel because, you know, half the shit he says right. is fiction. Anyway. Like, I find there's, like, a vast difference between those two because, like, they were actual, like, they were the president and vice president. So it is a political book. So that doesn't and like, that doesn't bother me as much because it's, like, yeah. th- that's just going to happen mm-hmm. with any president. Like, every president has a book, yeah. you know, in recent times. Yeah. But these people, like... You don't need to give them a platform. Like, yeah. There's no reason. Absolutely not. And then, so what was interesting, going back to the Mike Pence thing, I actually sent you a thread about this on Twitter, um, about him getting his advance of $2 million. And right. a lot of authors in this thread talking about how ridiculous that is and how they sometimes have only gotten like $1,000, 2000 Like they're lucky if they get more than like 5,000. And I think people, especially authors, don't understand what an advance is. It's right. them paying you for the books that will be sold. Right. So until you reach that threshold of selling $2,000 worth of books, you're not going to see a penny more than that. So Yeah, because they're taking a chance on your, your book. Yeah. So if your book only sells like $500, you're lucky you got the rest of that. Like, you're lucky you got 2000 for it. So right. I think a lot of people don't understand that in advance is they're expecting him to sell $2 million worth of books, which I wouldn't be surprised if he sells more than that. Yeah, me too. Um, and that is where that issue comes in is where when people are like, oh, he's getting that much money because they're expecting to make that back. It's not like right. They're expecting him to only sell, like, $2,000 worth of books. So he's going to sell a lot more. And he's a notable person. And they want to bid higher than the other publishers to have him sell with them. Right. So do I necessarily agree that he needs a book? Absolutely not. But I also don't agree with authors, like, coming in here and disparaging publishers because they're not getting money off of the book that they published when... You did in the beginning. You know what I mean? You know, there you're I feel like everyone expects to get like Hunger Games numbers in selling. And like that I feel I feel like that's why I would never be a good editor is because you have to be realistic with people and I am just too right. blunt. <laughs> Where I'd be like, listen, <laughs> Harry Potter, the Hunger Games, Divergent, <clears throat> all of those teen series, one in a million chances. Right. Not every book 
does that, does those numbers. It, right. And you got to realize Harry Potter got like denied from what was it like 11 yeah. publishers before I think uh, Bloomsbury picked yeah. it up. Like that in the, I'm, I can guarantee you, I've not done any like super research into this. I guarantee you her advance was nothing insane. Oh, absolutely not. No. I could probably, I don't even know if she got an advance. Some authors don't even get an advance. Yeah. So, like, so for all She may have gotten, like, a grand. Yeah. But they didn't, I don't think they expected her to sell as much as she did because it was a middle grade fantasy series and that was not prevalent in the market at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and so then, especially with authors coming in, and like, if you look at what we were just talking about in 2012... With all the right. dystopian books coming out, right. the market was saturated with dystopian novels. Chances are a newcomer writing a dystopian novel is not going to get as much because the market's so saturated. So you really have to like take into consideration the circumstances of it and remember that an advance is them betting on you. It's not them saying, here's $2,000, now when your book starts selling, we'll give you more. No, you have to wait until your book sells $2,000 worth of copies before you start getting residuals. And I think that's like a concept people don't understand unless you're in publishing. Yeah, and you don't even... Authors really don't understand until they're in. Yeah, until their books are getting published. Right. And even then, clearly, some people still don't (laughs) understand it. Yeah, depending on your level of involvement with all that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So I think that's like really important for people to understand is that your advance is your publisher betting on you. And if not, that's all you're going to get from your book. And that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that sucks, but that's, that's it. Like, even if your book sells like $500, you're not getting a cent of that $500. That's the uh, publisher paying themselves back for the two, two grand they gave you. Right. Exactly. So I just thought it was a very interesting reaction from authors saying how, what their experience was because to me that says that their agents or their editors didn't explain to them fully what an advance actually is. Right. So I just thought that was interesting. Right. I feel like if you have an agent that really should fall on them because Mm -hmm. editors have a lot of, I mean, so do agents, but like agents are more working with the author longer so I feel like you should explain that even before you start shopping the book around. Mm-hmm. Be like, just give them like the flat, like, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to try to, I like your book. I'm going to take it on as a client. But just so you know, once we sell this, you might get an advance. You're not going to see any residuals from that until you start selling more than what that advance was. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it falls on the author to market and promote their yeah. own book. The marketing department... Is overrun is, <laughs> and overworked. Yeah, they you, it really falls on the author to get out there and promote and let people know about their books. And that's why Book Talk is so great is because yeah. it really allows for authors to get out there and say, hey, I have this book coming out. And it will also put them on the right page, like for you pages of the people that are going to read it. I'm not going to get yeah. a random fantasy like promotion. Right. I will say I think Chloe Gong and Colleen Hoover are phenomenal at TikTok. <laughs> I see them all the time and I think their content is so good and they're so good at selling their books. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know if there's anyone who's an, an aspiring author out there, I would take a look at what they're doing because mm-hmm. I think what they're doing is phenomenal and they're doing great marketing work for themselves. Yeah. I think it, you'll see publishers, marketing teams step in when it's bigger yeah. Bigger name. So Mike Pence is probably going to have Simon oh, and Schuster's sure. marketing team. Suzanne Collins, once the Hunger Games F- Catching Fire, probably had the marketing team behind it. For sure. And so you have to you have to do the work for the first before the publisher will do any for the second. Right. And that's that's the reality it, of it. Right. Which sucks. Like I get it. It is very frustrating, especially a lot of authors have other jobs, mm-hmm. so it's like I don't have the job. I don't have the time to to be a marketing agent as well. But that's, that's kind just of yeah how it is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, I I personally love having these conversations. Like I love talking about the industry and how it works, especially explaining it to other people who don't quite understand. So right. if you guys want more 
content like that. Like, if you want us to do more stuff like this where we explain things you might not understand, let us know. Yeah. Review us on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple, I think Apple is, uh, Apple Podcasts is the only one that allows for written reviews. I think so, yeah. Um, You can always uh, email us, though, bookaholicpod, no S, on alcoholics at gmail.com. Yes. Um, We're here to give you what you want to hear, and if that means helping people understand some more aspects, if you're a writer and you want to know more, um, then definitely let us know. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my two cents. I saw that and I was just like, you really don't understand what it is because, and I know I'm going on a tangent again, um, especially big houses have so many books in the works. Like they can't pay back every single residual. Like that's what an advance is for. Right. And it's especially in the case that your book doesn't sell. Like, so I just, you know think it's interesting when people don't understand the industry that they're in <laughs> oopsie um so you can follow us on twitter and instagram at bookaholics pod you can find me on twitter at french toastics with an x and instagram at francesca hope and where can they find you you can find me on goodreads alicia reads 13 or on storygraph just alicia reads and we'll see you for the next one bye